0: Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from legal innovators. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Practice Boomers, Practice Viewer, and Practice Pipeline, the leading business development pipeline management tool for law firms. Hello, and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today my guest is Molly Porter, who's the Director of Marketing at SyFarth. Molly's been in that role for a couple of years. Prior to that, she was a DLA Piper overseeing the firm's digital marketing footprint with 15 years in legal marketing and counting, and this being the fourth AmLaw 100 firm. I'm pleased to introduce you all to Molly. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much. I'm pleased to be here.
0: Molly, tell us a little bit about your firm.
1: Well, um, I've been at CyFars now for about four years and really what attracted me to CyFars was its reputation for innovation. As you stated in your introduction, I have been in legal for quite some time but I really have always identified myself as a creative. So I spent a lot of years doing digital marketing for law firms but also feeling in the background that there was so much more. And the way that I saw that um, really transpiring and transforming for me personally was to move beyond just the digital, which has up until recently tended to really exist within a bubble, inside of a bubble within a law firm, and move into more of a marketing generalist role. So when I saw the open role at SyFar's and I knew that I could branch out into more of a content marketing role and really have more influence over the way the content is actually created, I knew that that was a direction I wanted to go. So right now, the way that I think of my role at Cypherth is really bringing to bear all of the different disciplinary loves that I've had over my career, which is the, the creative, the art direction, the writing, and then also the digital piece and that really reflects um sort of the the makeup of my team as well.
0: I love this emphasis on the creative, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But first, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your team. So how big is the department at Cypherth?
1: So um, I really think of my team or my department as an in-house agency. Um, Many of the partner-facing marketers actually sit within our practice development teams. They're sort of like little mini CMOs for individual departments that they serve. And we are really the in-house agency that serves their needs for graphic design, um, for the digital piece. So we, um, we have the whole marketing technology stack that we take care of on my team. We also have a content strategy team that we've recently launched. Um, and then we also have uh, client and market intelligence which really helps us with our marketing strategies and also our business development strategies as well. Um, And I also recently um, added a presentation design capability to my team. I'm a strong believer in having strong uh, presentation design. So my team total is 12 people. I'm an English major by training, so I like to think in alliteration. So the way that I think of it is creative is the graphic design. Content obviously is content strategy, that's another C. The marketing technology stack I think of as channels, that's how we reach our customers. And then we also have um, client competitive intelligence. So those are the Cs.
0: That's pretty cool, which also starts with a C. Um, Yes. (laughs) And I think that you also take a creative angle when it comes to the way that you design your initiatives. Talk to us a little bit about your approach.
1: Right. Well, you know, CIFARTH is well known for its innovative approach and as I said in my earlier comments, that's really what drew me to the firm. And the firm has been very open to my creativity and allowing me to branch out into different areas and do some more experimental approaches, especially using some of the tools that the firm brings to bear for client service delivery. So, one of the areas that we've really been experimenting in, in terms of the services we bring. To our clients over the last few years is design thinking. Um, And I love design thinking because it really does relate very well to what we do as marketers, not only for the way that we bring our work to market, but also um, for the way that we deal internally with our clients.
0: For those of us who may not be as familiar with design thinking, there's a component that involves identifying a persona and really profiling that person so that you're understanding the audience. Uh, I also, in my cursory understanding of design thinking, recognize that there's uh, contextual analysis. There's a, a creative and a, a, almost a visual, like sketching and drawing out the problem, modeling it out uh, on paper. And using that visual to help uh, frame a solution around the problem—is that accurate? Am I butchering this, or do I? Am I no, am I on point no,
1: here? it's absolutely. Um, in the past, in other workshops where we've used personas, um, we have done a, a deep dive um, prior so that we can help bring these personas to life. And one of the ways to think about personas is. Um, to compare and contrast what personas are meant to do versus what demographics are meant to do. I think a lot of marketers are used to thinking about entire segments of their market or broad demographic um, facts about, about their target market. Um, But what design thinking does is it takes it just a step further and says that just because, and I'm going to give you a real life example right now, just because two people are in their 70s, they're both male, they've both been married three times, and they both have multiple children does not mean that they have the same, and they're both wealthy, I'll add that one, uh, does not mean that they necessarily have the same desires and, and views of the world. So, for example, Donald Trump, he fits all of that criteria, but so does Neil Young. Um, And I don't know if you're a rock and roll fan, but anyone who um, knows Neil Young knows that he and Donald Trump have very little in common. Um, So that's the power of personas, is you're taking it just a step further and thinking through the exact contours of what that person, um, how they encounter life, what they think about, their motives, their pain what they're looking for, um, and it just takes it a step further so that you can then begin to become more precise with your messaging and your, and your targeting.
0: Right. So what kind of blog are we going to author for Donald Trump versus Neil Young? And now we've uh, created a whole visual journey that's taken us from what might otherwise be a categorical generalization into some of the sub areas that are going to help us be more targeted.
1: That's exactly right. Yes, we absolutely have uh, used certain design thinking approaches for launching practices, for designing the process that that we use to interact with um our clients, our internal clients. Um, so we think of it um, in a lot of different ways there.
0: It seems to me that this design thinking exercise could end up overcomplicating uh, what might otherwise be uh, simplified and perhaps Overly simplified, but ultimately manageable process. So, you know, if we're trying to profile all the 70 year old male potential buyers of our legal services, we could end up with a lot more than just Trump and Neil Young. We could end up with, you know, 27 different profiles. And are we really going to create a content strategy for each of those? Probably not, especially given that we're a lean team. So, how do you keep this exercise from turning into a runaway train?
1: The, it's absolutely critical on any, design thinking approach that you're taking with partners, whether it's the launch of a new content marketing piece or the launch of a new practice, that you partner with your competitive and client intel professionals that you have within the firm, um, they're going to provide you a great deal of data um, that you can use to sort of build some assumptions before you get into the room with the partners. I agree with you, you, you never want to be in a situation where you're developing you know, 27 personas. But it's absolutely true that there are certain common denominators um, that you can highlight and bring to the front um, that your competitive and client intel folks can certainly help you get that information.
0: Partner with competitive intelligence, get a sense of what the target audience Personas might be at least uh, categorically using broader brushstrokes so we don't end up with too many uh, mm-hmm. shades of gray here and use that at, through a, a visual means to present to the partners how we're going to approach our messaging, our content. You know, we hear GCs complaining that look, I'm drowning in content. Do not mm-hmm. send me another broad blast client alert. I, I need messaging that's specific to uh, my needs. And in this way, we reverse engineer that request into a a content strategy uh, for your team. Is that right?
1: That's right. And I think one of the things that... you know, people should really keep in mind when they're using an approach like this, is it's all about preparation, but it's also about leaving sufficient white space for creativity and conversations in the room. I think that's absolutely critical. I think there's a, a very fine line between being prepared and have something to say having something to say, which I think is very important when you're dealing with partners who make hundreds of dollars an hour and are committed have committed time non billable time to talk to you about a strategy um, versus leaving the leaving enough space for them to feel engaged in the process and and to take ownership of the outcome and I think that's absolutely one of the um, hallmarks of the way that uh, we have used design thinking here.
0: Well, that's a good note for anyone who is presenting anything to the partners you know always. Give them an opportunity to have some input, um, leave a little bit of white space, as you call it, because ultimately the solution that's going to have the most buy in is the one where all parties feel like they uh, had some influence in its design.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So, how do you navigate the relationship between an initiative like this or some of the other initiatives that you're overseeing at the firm and return on investment? You know, one of the challenges with something like design thinking or even something like content is that unless you're counting clicks and opens, it all gets very soft and squishy and difficult to make a business case for.
1: Yes, ROI, I, I think we all know um, it's the holy grail for law firm marketers. We want to establish our relevance and our strategic importance to the firm, and ROI is certainly something that we're all searching for just at a very broad, high level. Um, but I think we all know that the process of um, buying legal services, especially from big law, is quite circuitous. It can have a very long lead time. Um and it's very hard to draw that very direct line between um, the work that we do on a day-to-day basis and actual revenue in the door. It's very different from, say, consumer-focused firms that run an ad on Facebook, and then they track you through to when you click their website, and then you put something in your cart, and you click. I mean, I think we all know that. That's um, true. But there are... There are loads of other types of ROI, um, and one of my favorites um, is actually partner satisfaction. To know that you have helped them sort of succeed in their own marketing plan, that they like the work product, that it's good work product, um, that they that you generated enthusiasm and excitement in them, um, those types of things are, you know, very, very gratifying for me and my team. I would say that, you know, don't discount the effect of your work on what the partners are doing and to collect those stories. Um, I think most of us do this around review time. We send out our, our little notices uh, asking for nice reviews. Um, but to have actually helped a partner hit their own personal mark um, I think is, is quite gratifying.
0: Well, that's a great answer. I think we have to remind ourselves that the internal client is the partner and it's our job to satisfy our clients and our clients' clients, but in that order. So collecting the feedback and satisfaction reviews internally are just as important as trying to draw that, uh, that elusive line between our initiatives and new revenue into the firm.
1: Yes, that is very true.
0: I'm really enjoying hearing your approach and the way that you're thinking uh, when it comes to uh, marketing content. It's, uh, I think, unique in its uh, its tenor and in its creativity. I'm curious to know where you go for some of these ideas. Where do you get your inspiration and, and market intelligence? It doesn't sound like you're going to the same watering holes that everybody else is going to.
1: No, and I I feel so lucky that I work for a firm that allows me to bring all of my interests to bear in the work that I do. Um, I would say that a perfectly good example of all of the threads of things that I love, um, it all came together in our most recent um, ACC annual meeting uh, marketing campaign that we did, which was called Be More Unicorn. So if you've ever been on a trade show floor, you see that, you know, many, many presences look alike. It's very hard to tell that you're looking at one firm versus, versus another unless you're actually looking at the logo. It all sort of blends into a sea of blueness. Um, Sure. At the the same time, we have a very close relationship with ACC, uh, specifically the Law Department Management Network, which is the largest um, network within ACC of about 6,000 members. Um, And we have a lot of conversations with them about what they're looking to do um, within the network, what they're looking to do within their careers, within their organizations, what they're hoping to get out of the annual Meeting itself so we collaborated with them on this theme and it was a really um, it was a perfect example of really thinking through what is a person who's coming to the ACC annual meeting looking to get out of this. And what we came away with was that they want to be the hero. They want to be the hero of their own um, careers. They want to be a hero within their organization. They want to be seen as adding value, not as taking away value. Um, so that's how we came up with this theme. and. Um, I very much um, look outside of legal for inspiration. Um, For instance, I love Internet culture. Um, Anybody who has talked to me a little bit knows that I uh, love BuzzFeed. I love emoji. um, I love looking at how people communicate with each other on Twitter. So we put together um, a quiz that was very much inspired by BuzzFeed quizzes. It was called What Percent Unicorn Are You?, And people loved it. We had a line going on our booth the whole time we were there, all three days, of people just waiting to take this quiz. So I think it's important at the end of the day to remember that your audience is an audience of humans, and there are humans who exist in a context that includes more than just their jobs and the law firms that they deal with on a day-to-day basis. And to be able to tap into that whatever way you can, whether it's a postcard with a unicorn on it that they hand to their daughter, or it's a quiz that makes them laugh on a trade show floor, that's something that they're going to bring to other interactions uh, with the law firm. So it's all a part of their journey and dealing with sci-fars. But to circle back and answer your question, um, I look for inspiration everywhere I go. I watch what my kids are doing. I watch what my kids are into um, because I happen to know that a lot of in-house counsel, a lot of clients have kids the same age as my kids. I'm always inspired by the intersection of art and social media. So, for example, I don't know if you've seen the Museum of Ice Cream or the Happy Museum, which is currently um, touring uh, the United States. You know, this idea of an experience that then becomes part of a, a person's social media presence Um that is an envelope that I would really love to push, um, what we're doing here as a firm, at least in terms of our trade show presence. So I'm always thinking, I'm always learning. Um, sometimes I have too many ideas and my team brings me back to planet Earth. So um, it's, a, it's a really great push and pull um, of creativity and how to make ideas feasible and how to make them really uh, fit the the overall strategy.
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing some of those many ideas with us today and giving us some insight into your process and some of the projects that you've been able to spearhead at SciFarth. Molly, thanks so much for your time and thanks for being a guest on our show.
1: Thank you, David.
0: Thank you for listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. For more business development resources, visit ackertinc.com.